hard to believe it's Christmas time. And we look so much forward to all the celebrating we will do it next month. The story is told of two old friends who bumped into the other one down the street. One of them looked pretty sad, on the verge of tears. His friend asked, as you would, what's wrong? What's the matter? What has the world done to you? The sad man said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago an uncle died and left me $40,000. And you're sad? Well, two weeks ago a cousin I never knew died and left me $80,000. Well, that, why are you sad? He said, you don't understand, last week my great aunt passed away and I inherited a quarter of a million dollars. So what's the problem? This week, nothing. <laughs> you know people like that, don't you? Oh, there's lots of stories like that. We all know people like that. This week, nothing. Oh, this week's been wonderful. If we have looked at what we should look at. And today I get to tell you about some amazing things that I've just seen this week as God has really shown off. It began last Sunday night with our shrimp boil. We had a great night. And I always judge the success of a dinner like that by the fact that no one perished in the next 24 hours. And so we're off the hook as cooks. The food was good and the fellowship was good and the weather was good. And I've done shrimp boils before, but we had a professional with us last week. John Orgeron. How do you say Orgeron in Louisiana? Same way. Same way. From a little village in Louisiana, he has forgotten more about shrimp and crawfish and critters than most of us will ever know. And so John was there to make sure everything went well. Everything did. Nobody died. Nobody died. That's right. And H.P. and James Earl, we had great help. But I have to tell you, and I want to be honest with the church, we had a problem. We had too much key lime pie. We had more pie than people. And so some of us, Gene Paulus and I in particular, and others I suppose, took it upon ourselves in our ministry to eat more than one piece of pie. Just out of the goodness of our heart. Because we're very spiritual that way. And I thank Gene for doing that. Isn't that a great problem to have? More pie than I think our life is that way. We have abundance and sometimes we're not thankful for it. We have blessing after blessing. And sometimes we can have the this week nothing thought instead of more pies and people. Before we go further and look at God's word, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the abundance that is ours. <laughs> in so many aspects beyond food. We have abundant opportunities. We have health to be in your house today. Father, we have abundant loved ones. And every day there's more pie than people. We thank you, Father, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you think about abundance, I, I thought about the story from Matthew chapter 14. 
You know it very, very well. Jesus fed a lot of people, and there was more food than people. When Jesus heard this about the death of his cousin and dear friend John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, that he was there, they followed him on foot from the towns. Well, you would too. When you all that he's done, you want to be near Jesus. He couldn't be alone. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. He had compassion for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Don't you wish you could have seen the disciples' faces when Jesus told them that? They said, Lord, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Evidently, they'd scouted out a little bit, and that's all they found. And that's the conclusion, we've got to send them home. Jesus said, bring them here to me. So they got the fish and the loaves. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over, the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, plus women, plus children. So, probably over ten thousand. We're very familiar with the story. <coughs> Jesus sees a need, and he not only takes care of it, he blows it away. He more than meets the need. He gives in abundance. You have experienced that, haven't you? So this week I've seen the hand of God in some very special ways. Tuesday I rode with Charlie Duncan to the funeral of Bob Boatwright. Bob and his wife Betty Faith were career missionaries to Sendai, Japan. And they lived in this mission house for many years. From the time I was born, I have known the Boatwright. At the funeral, I learned some things about Mr. Boatwright that I had never known. I was aware of the blessings that I had sitting there with lifelong friends, Charlie Duncan and David Beasley, and I enjoyed that connection. But I learned that Bob was in World War II in the infantry of the European theater, and he saw some horrible things, and his son David mentioned some of the horrible things that he had seen after the war, he came back to work for the Ford Motor Company, but God had other plans. So Bob answered God's call and went to seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And God began to whisper to Bob that he wanted him to go overseas, be a missionary. He had a calling to go to Japan and serve, and so he did. And his wife had the same calling. And in 1958, they took off to Japan with Mary, Linda, five, David, three, and Judy was six weeks old. That's dedication, isn't it? I don't want to take a six-week-old to Walmart. And here they are going to Japan to live with three little ones. The year before I was born. It was interesting to me, and I had no idea that Bob had been a soldier 
and then he ends up in Japan, post-war Japan, when it was still, well, dicey at best. It's an amazing journey. I know some people in our country today that still have feelings of animosity towards the Japanese for what happened in 1941. And I imagine in 1958, when Bob and Betty Faith and the three children got to Japan, there were some Japanese people there that had animosity towards anybody that was an American, and certainly anybody that served and wore the uniform. And that's the world they ended up in. And it would have been dicey and, and touchy at best. They served for 31 years in Japan. They started many churches there. There is no way to calculate how many people came to Christ because of their ministry. There's no way. When they returned home to Atlanta, Bob served churches for Japanese here in Atlanta in the North Cross area. And that ministry continued until his death. So at the funeral Tuesday, a Japanese pastor spoke. And part of the service was in English, and part of it was in Japanese. It lasted an hour and 45 minutes, one of the longer ones I've been to, and it kind of flew by. It didn't seem that long. I have a picture that I had to, I, I've never taken out a camera at a funeral before in my life, but I did it this one. There's a picture of five little children singing, Jesus loves me. <coughs> Six little children singing, Jesus loves me. <coughs> part of the verse is in Japanese, and then part of it in English. When we sang hymns, we sang some of Bob's favorite hymns. Half the congregation sang in English, and half of it sang in Japanese. It sounded pretty good to me. But I bet heaven loved it. As I sat there, I was caught up in the more pines and people. Blessing after blessing. God using a one-time soldier to represent the Prince of Peace in a war-torn land. And I was so thankful. So that's one of the ways God showed off this week. Oh, about ten days, two weeks ago, I received a call from my friends at Arlington Cemetery. They wanted to know if I would do a graveside service on November the 25th. They had a pastor back out, and I thought, well, why would a pastor back out? I told them, why would a pastor back out of this funeral? And then I looked at my calendar. November 25th was a Friday after Thanksgiving. And I understood why a pastor would back out. I mean, we had a house full of people. My children were there. My grandchildren were there. I didn't want to go anywhere. And there were leftovers in the fridge for a change, and I really enjoyed that. And God whispered to me, you should do this. Don't tell them no. And so I agreed. It was not convenient, but it was the place God wanted me that day. And I'm so glad I did it. It was a more pine than people moment. The man who died was 60 years old. He died of lung cancer, never smoked a cigarette in his life. And it was a head scratcher for the they didn't understand. He was a fine Christian man, active in his church, and had a successful career, and 
a great family and an impactful education. And he was on a board of directors of groups that helped feed the hungry. His obituary was impressive. But it was an email from his wife that made me so glad that I said yes to being there. And I quote, It was very important to Chip that he walked through his illness in a way that glorified God. He told us that God spoke to him during his first hospital stay, when all was going wrong, and God said, be grateful. It became his mantra, and it is even on the plot marker at Arlington, she said. And she was right. I could take you after church and show you the marker. It reads, Charles Walker Chip Ingram Sr., 921-1955-723-2016. And then under that, two words, be grateful. As I was talking to the family, I learned something else that made me so glad I was there. Although Chip died in July, they waited for Thanksgiving to bury his ashes because he loved Thanksgiving so much, and they knew the family would be together, and it was a time of Thanksgiving. He'd like that. And so that's why they waited. But they also told me, at the funeral when I'd never met Chip, the family wanted to say some words, and I would speak, and they would speak, and I would speak, and they told me something, and I did something else at a funeral I'd never done. I took notes. I got my pen out and, and wrote on what I was doing. I took some notes because they told me, if you notice his date of birth, September the 21st, 1955. September the 21st is known as World Gratitude Day. I didn't know that. But I Googled it. And it is. Look it up. September the 21st. Gratitude Day. Chip Ingram Sr.'s birthday. More pie than people right there. God was showing off. And I'm so glad I went. Bob Clout died last week, and his funeral was this week. <coughs> and there's mixed emotions. Bob was young, 65. Guess I've known him as long as I've known anybody. And as I'm thinking about more pies and people, I thought there's no doubt where Bob is. He's in heaven. And he's in heaven with a dear friend of mine, his brother Steve, who died way too young. And it was a more pies and people moment when I thought about that. Heaven is the icing on the cake, if you will. Forgive me, I know I've been talking about pie and I've mixed metaphors now, but we can have our pie and our cake and eat it too. There are stories every day, every day, if we would just look. I haven't mentioned Jeannie, my wonderful wife, or Taylor and Stephanie and Jackson and Annabelle and Ellen, and my mother-in-law, who I've become grateful for, and that's a strange thing in my life. We should be invincible and fired up always because of God showing us. But let me warn you, when we think about this and have these warm, fuzzy moments and we have a week of Thanksgiving, let me warn you, 
that it can go away quickly if we're not careful and if we don't focus on the right things. I read earlier from Matthew 14. Let me show you what happened right after the feeding of the thousands of people. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Thus, by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them right on the sea, along the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. That's a Hebrew word for freaked out. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. I don't know what the disciples did with the leftovers, the 12 baskets full. Maybe they were in the boat with them. Maybe their heads were laying on them. They'd just seen a miracle. They had seen a more pious people moment. They had such abundance. And now they're screaming in fear. Why? Because they lost their focus. Don't lose your focus. In the hospital, when God spoke with Chip, he had a choice. He could have been bitter and angry, saying, of all people to get lung cancer, why me? It's not fair. And it's not. But he chose to be grateful. And that choice changed a lot of lives. And it encouraged me. Don't lose your focus. There is abundance everywhere. 